0: In this episode, Dr. Nader explores the mystery of consciousness. Most of us see the world through the same fundamental scientific paradigm that has prevailed for about 350 years in the Western world. This view understands the world to be made of physical, material stuff. Dr. Nader examines the reality of the old paradigm and explains the new one. Good day, everyone. Thank you for joining
1: again. We've been reading together One Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness. And you have on your own been looking at it from your perspective, your worldview, and your knowledge about reality. And this book offers us different possibilities that maybe we have not thought of, but which are very important in our life. And although it might sound at times that this is a subject that is of an intellectual nature or a philosophical nature, it actually is very, very personal, very intimate to every one of us and very important in how we live our life. And if we want to make a difference in our life, It is important to understand that consciousness is the combination of all the possibilities that make our body, that make our physiology, make our environment, and that are distilled in ourselves as consciousness. Because when we say, I am feeling this way, I am thinking this way, it's all happening in consciousness. So we remember that without consciousness, we have no feelings, We have no sense of what to do, no planning, no reality. And also, ultimately, we will discover as we go through the book that consciousness is so primary that it is the most important aspect of our existence. In fact, we exist because of consciousness, but that is a topic that will come later. Today we're discussing chapter five, which is the longest chapter in the book. And I hope you have had the time to look at it and read about it and read it actually. And this chapter really brings us from the previous chapter, which was about matter and mind, which is in other words, the physical realities and all their strata apparently that we experience on the level of our consciousness. Of course, if we don't have consciousness, we cannot experience anything. We cannot know all these layers of reality. And the mind, which is actually consciousness, awareness. And there was a proposal that consciousness is primary because most people imagine and think that what is primary, what is most important is the physical universe, the physical reality. And we are saying something quite radical, quite different, and that is that it is actually consciousness that is primary. It is not only primary, which means the source of something that comes in a mysterious way out of it. It is actually all there is, and it is everywhere, and it is the source of everything. Within it is everything. Everything is an expression of consciousness. That's quite a complicated thought when we think about it. But the book that we have, One Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness, is going to take us through the steps that makes it logical, intelligible, understandable to see that, yes, this is possible. And in fact, it is so real in the sense that it can explain so many things. It can explain and answer so many questions in life. So what does chapter five bring to us in general? It brings to us many, many things, but in general, it's the question of where is consciousness? Because if we are looking for what is consciousness, we are looking for understanding how life is built, how it is constructed, from where it's constructed, what are its building blocks or from where it comes, and its purpose, and where it takes us, and what is the role we play within it. And we are saying that consciousness is so important, so primary, more than important, that it is actually everything. For our own intellectual understanding, we might say, but where is consciousness? When we look around, we see matter, we see physical things, we we see doors, and houses, and planets, and... We see flowers, we see animals, we see trees, we see people and they seem to be completely physical, material. Our senses tell us that they are material. And now the question comes, where is consciousness? Where can we find consciousness? First thing, we find it in ourselves. Now, when we find it in ourselves, we say, I am conscious. Now, how can you know that anybody else is conscious? you can actually, from the surface level, you cannot know. There is no way to know how others are conscious or in what way they are conscious. And whether actually on a surface level, whether they have consciousness or, or they are just maybe pretending that they have consciousness. You can have a machine that tells you, I am conscious, but because you taught it how to say I am conscious. And if the machine is so sophisticated and so advanced, and it's really like a futuristic machine as we see in some of the movies it might feel like you cannot find out that somebody is conscious or not conscious if they respond the same way they do the same things so one thing is sure we are conscious because that's how we see things and we are aware of things but because we have a nervous system we can imagine that those who have the same nervous system the same structure of our physiology, they probably are conscious in the same way. Now, you can do things in medicine to see if somebody is conscious by triggering a response from them. You can prick them, you can pinch them, and they react and they wake up. You can say, well, that's an indication that they have consciousness, that they are conscious. In fact, consciousness is everywhere, and that is what this chapter is hinting to, or showing us what, and showing us that we should not think of consciousness as one thing, which is either you have it or you don't have it. Even for ourselves, as individuals, we go through different states of consciousness, as we know. Up till 1950, people were thinking there are only two states of consciousness, either you are asleep or you're awake. And then somebody discovered that during sleep, actually, it's not the same if you are deep sleeping or you are dreaming, and that the dream state has a different physiology and different brain functioning and a different kind of awareness. And there is rapid eye movement, which is now characteristic of the dream state. They call it REM sleep, REM standing for rapid eye movement sleep. And that is a different physiology altogether. And since then, there have been the idea that there are three major states of consciousness, which is sleep, dream, and waking. And then in 1970s, Dr. Keith Wallace, working at UCLA, discovered that there is a fourth major state of consciousness, which comes from transcending, from going deep in practicing transcendental meditation. You experience something very different, which is depressed in the physiology, and we've discussed this before, and at the same time wakefulness, that is very, very highly alert. So alertness with at the same time depressed, and they called it a forced state of consciousness. There are altered states of consciousness that are discussed in the book, in chapter five in particular, and this is for human beings. But now the book also, in chapter five, discusses consciousness in animals because we used to think that only humans have consciousness and consciousness means only the kind of consciousness that humans have. And therefore, any other kind of consciousness is not present and in that case, only humans had consciousness. But when we started to study animals with greater detail and understand their behavior, we find that animals have many of them a sense of self they can recognize themselves in a mirror for example and they have feelings they have emotions they even have speech that they communicate with each other of course different animals have at a different level and so we see that consciousness is much more spread out than what we think in terms of our having thought that consciousness is only for us as humans, it is there in more and more and more levels in different, different ways. Even now we know that, you know, some trees, some aspects of nature that are in the organic life, that they respond to different messages, different sounds, different things, different physical aspects and they have a reaction, they defend themselves, they protect themselves, the trees, they connect with each other in their roots. And if we go more and more, we can say that when we reach the mineral world, we can say there is no consciousness from a certain perspective. But in fact, we are going to expand our own understanding, our own awareness and say, that even those mineral, those particles, those things that are so usually called inanimate or non-sentient beings, non-sentient existence, which is a stone, for example, a mountain, a tree, uh, we've said maybe the tree has some consciousness, but we're gonna say that everything actually is consciousness and therefore is able to be aware or to be having an awareness one way or the other of something. The problem that we find when we come to this, people say you are crazy because where is the nervous system of the stone? And how can the stone know itself or experience itself? It's just obviously a mineral thing. You take it, it is inanimate, it has no life, and therefore it doesn't have consciousness. This is true if we limit our awareness or if we limit our definition of consciousness. We are going to expand our definition of consciousness. And now we are going to say that anything that detects anything or reacts to anything is an expression of consciousness. And that consciousness has many, many, many layers and many kinds of consciousness. So for example, when you are sleeping, you are not conscious of the environment at all and you feel that you are not there. So you don't have the usual human experience of consciousness that one usually normally has. But your body is aware your body is aware of the environment, aware of the temperature, it's aware of its own internal functioning because it maintains the balance within it and even the nervous system is implicated in correcting, adjusting, you turn around if there is something that is hurting, you can even scratch if something itches. You can do a lot of things even from this, what we call subconscious or unconscious level in the dream state, so the physiology is awake, and therefore, our body has consciousness of a different things. So ultimately, we'll find that there are all these layers of consciousness, and we do not have to assign the same kind of consciousness that we have as a human, because even as a human, we have different states of consciousness. We have sleep, dream fourth stage of consciousness, waking state of consciousness, and in higher states of consciousness, as we will see later in the book, there are higher states of consciousness, we call cosmic consciousness, God consciousness, unity consciousness, and these will be introduced later. So what this is telling us is do not try to say the stone has the same kind of consciousness as mine. The stone has very limited consciousness. It doesn't even get aware of itself of its being a stone. It has no idea about that whatsoever. However, if you drop a stone, it will fall to the ground. And we're calling the fact that it responds to gravity, we're calling this a tiny, tiny bit of consciousness. It's very primitive, very limited. It has nothing to do almost with our human consciousness, but it is a perception not as a perceptual apparatus like you perceive in the nervous system, but it's a detection response to, and even that we are going to call consciousness. So people might argue with us that this is not what I define to be consciousness. We are saying this is what we define to be consciousness. Any detection, any reaction, any interaction means there is something that is happening, it's detecting something, and therefore it has consciousness, albeit very limited in its scope. And therefore consciousness, where is consciousness? Consciousness is everywhere because there is nothing totally inert. It will respond to something, electricity, magnetism, weak force, strong force, or even gravity. Somewhat everything responds to something, and therefore we are defining this as consciousness of course there are higher levels of consciousness and the one unbounded ocean of consciousness the primordial most complete state of consciousness is the broadest consciousness the most inclusive consciousness that has awareness of everything and I see Evans asking a question in this case why do we call the unified field a silence whereas that mean that one unbounded ocean of consciousness, we're calling it silence. And this is a question from Evan Finkelstein in the United States, why do we call it silence? Well, it is one name we give to it because everything in it is balanced. Everything is completely balanced, but of course, it is infinitely dynamic within itself. It has within it the potential of all dynamism. But when everything is totally symmetrical, for every plus there is a minus, for every high there is a low, for every sound there is an opposite sound. It's like your headphones, you know, these noise cancelling headphones, you know, that actually how it works is that there is a system within it which detects actually the sound and produces a wave that is exactly opposite to the sound. So two sounds therefore are creating silence. This is how you cancel noise, you cancel sound from the outside by creating an opposite value. So we tend to call the unified field or the one unbounded ocean of consciousness as silent because it's perfectly symmetrical and it's perfectly balanced. And we will see later, much later in the book, how this, breaks the symmetry so that things can actually appear on the surface level. But all the potential dynamism is definitely in that reality. And you are right to ask these questions. So, and the unchanging wholeness is a quality of infinite dynamism in the same meaning. This is again from Evans. It's in the same context. And how this symmetry breaks will come later in the book. So you've been asking questions. Thank you. It's wonderful. I just have to take more questions from others. There is uh, Frederick Bloom from the United States asking if we can continue on this. It would be wonderful, but I have many things to do and I have also to give you time to read the book. And I'm sure we'll come back to it. We will for now go just to a couple of chapters more or so. And then we have to break a little bit, give you time, because many are starting to read the book and they'd like to be given time. And we will take this again and continue. But with this foundation that we have had these few days, it's very important that you rethink about this, even maybe reread the first chapters, and then you have a strong foundation to continue in the book and it will be certainly my joy i'll of course make the time it will be fabulous i would enjoy that to answer your questions and maybe even create courses and invite you to attend these courses this is the same question actually from lydia and in israel thank you lydia yes we will do that and there are other questions gay camille sprague from uh, united states talks about animals and how to protect the environment and how she feels or he feels over you know overwhelmed if you like aggression or violence against animals and the environment and all of that and the answer to all of this is all really about consciousness what is the consciousness of the people what is the collective consciousness of the people and how they behave with themselves and with their environment depends on their level of awareness, their level of consciousness. In the wilderness, there are rules and they exist there. And because animals have a certain level of consciousness and they behave the way they behave with each other, and humans having higher consciousness will behave in different ways to the environment, to each other, when they have higher and higher states of consciousness. So it's very important. That's really the key of this book, ultimately. It's not just a theoretical book. It is bringing knowledge about reality, but ultimately it's to show the interconnectedness and the responsibility that we have when we rise in consciousness, so that we can bring our global reality, our world to a better place together from a platform of understanding and awareness which is our consciousness. There is a question from Wayne in the United States about the use of certain uh, plants or herbs, cannabis, etc in one's life. And you know if there is a disease process, if there is a need for help from medical side, then this can be helpful to alleviate things but, Ultimately, transcending is the most profound level of raising one's consciousness. And transcendental meditation is most clear when one is most natural in their physiological functioning and not getting things that are artificial or disturbing the balance of the physiology, which is the balance of the patterns of consciousness within us. So one has to see if it's medically needed, then medicine is needed. We take the medicine. Otherwise, we use natural things, natural diet, natural routine, so that we can have the most balanced life and physiology to experience higher states of consciousness. Aaron from the United States asking when will the book be available in audiobook I'm planning to record it we discussed this before so hopefully within a month or two it takes time to record and then get it I would say more 2 months than 1 month and we have from Spain Carlos asking again about freedom and this says there are many people who think that there is no freedom because they are always subject to a very limited and strict routine and that makes them think that life is that. Limits. How awareness of consciousness can free people from narrow limits? By opening greater possibilities. As we will see through the book also, the more you have potential choices in your life, which means you are able to choose, the more you are free in a sense. So we will be defining freedom, but freedom starts at all levels of life. And like consciousness, as consciousness grows, freedom grows also. And this will come in a more complete answer as we go on through the book. So these are some of your questions. I'm sure there are more. We will see if we didn't answer them today. We will take them on in the next session. Thank you for joining us and enjoy life. Be happy. Have a great weekend.
0: Thank you for tuning into Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast. And if you're interested in learning more from Dr. Nader, please follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.